connected us to the Holy uh, Spirit, Lord. You've connected us to the Father. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the gift of life that you give, the gift of joy that you give, the gift of purpose that you give, the gift of strength and guidance. Uh, Lord, the gift of forgiveness that you give. We thank you for your wonderful gifts to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through the Bible. And Lord, speak to us as we reflect on the truth of your words and your, and your life. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you're with us now as we gather together. And we thank you you're, you're with us wherever we're worshiping. And we thank you, Lord, that your desire for us is to flourish. Lord, help us to flourish and remove from our lives those things that would keep us from flourishing. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Really, really lovely this morning to, to see the Shaw family uh, here at the front, and you as well, Hannah, as well at the front, uh, and all the Slawson Shaw family, and all of us, the family of God. And uh, just wonderful to see uh, just... Uh, Johnny and Emily looking at young Felicity and uh, just Felicity being the apple of their eye. And uh, it's just great. We haven't had really the opportunity uh, with everything that's been happening over the last year just uh, to see uh, the Shaw family uh, together and uh, to have that joy of seeing parents looking at their daughter. And that's what tends to happen is this sort of adoring look and uh, Felicity, no doubt, one of the things that's been the most powerful thing in her life will be the fact that uh, as in these early uh, months of her life, she'll remember so clearly the fact that as she looks into her parents' eyes, she'll see a little image of herself in the pupil of their eyes. That's what that word or that phrase being the apple of someone's eye is all about. It's like shining an apple and being able to see your reflection in it. And so it's like with our eyes that uh, knowing the fact that we're loved because we're the apple of someone's eye, we're the focus of their attention. Uh, in the Psalms, David says, uh, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me under the shelter of your wing. There's this beautiful picture where David is saying in his song, keep me as the apple of your eye, uh, keep, keep watching over me, keep keep focusing on me because I, I trust that that's a good thing whenever you focus on me. And there's no more important thing in Felicity's life than to know that she is unconditionally loved by her mom and dad. Come what may, she's loved. And for Felicity, and in fact for all of us, there is nothing more important for us to know that we are loved, we're loved by our Heavenly Father. It's such a powerful thing in a human being's life to know that they are loved just because they're loved, just because they're loved. There may come a moment whenever in a number of years' time, Felicity says to her mom and dad, yes, but why do you love me? And I imagine John and Emily will say, just because we love you, because you're our child. It's never performance-related. It's just the fact that she's their daughter. And come what may, no matter how, and I'm not assuming anything here, but you know, if she's naughty at any time in the future, um, their love will still be the same. It's not performance related. She will continue to be the apple of their eye. 
And that's a really, really important thing for us all to understand. It's a powerful thing to, to have the privilege, if we have that blessing, to grow up in a family where we know that we're loved unconditionally, come what may. But it's also even more important for us to know that actually we have a heavenly Father who loves us and we're the apple of His eye. I think so often we convince ourselves that God is just busy with other stuff, more important stuff. But right at the top of his to-do list is spend time with my children. And because God is a perfect father, that's exactly what he seeks to do and wants to do. He wants to spend time with his children. He's never too busy. He's never got other stuff that he considers more important because the most important thing from our heavenly Father's perspective is to spend time with us. There's nothing he enjoys more. And Jesus came that we may understand that, but not only understand it, but be able to actually live in that reality. You and I know that the world and also ourselves have a tendency to sort of knock that confidence out of ourselves, or the world knocks it out of ourselves, and we start to think, well, well, maybe I'm not valued, maybe I'm, I'm not important, maybe it doesn't really matter, maybe my life doesn't really have a purpose, and slowly but surely, we know that, as the Bible says, sin, the world, and the devil can kick the stuffing out of us somewhat, and we know that part of that is down to personal choices that we make ourselves. It's, uh, it's important to remember, though, that we're really valued. Here's a, a 20-pound note, a genuine 20-pound note. They're now plastic, so they're much more durable. But the thing about this is that even if I take it and, and crumple it up, even if I stand on it and it gets really, really dirty, the fact is it's still just as valuable it's still a 20-pound note. And for you and me, no matter how crumpled our lives may sometimes feel, no matter how dirty we feel our lives have become, through our own choices, through our own mistakes, no matter what happens there, the fact is, as God looks at us, we're no less valuable to Him. And so, on the night before Jesus died, and knew he was going to go to be arrested, and he was going to lay down his life for us, that we may step into the relationship with the Father that he had with the Father. And so he takes his 11 closest friends on the night before Passover from having a meal in the city of Jerusalem in the middle of this big Jewish festival, and he takes them out into the silence of the Kidron Valley up towards a garden called Gethsemane at the top of a hill. And on the way, we imagine, because, these, because this, this mountain is covered in vineyards, that as he's taking them through these vines, he starts to talk to them. We don't know whether they're carrying torches or whether the moonlight is shining down, but he stops in the middle of this vineyard to have a conversation, which has got to be really, really important because he knows that he's only got a short number of hours with them left. And so he wants to make every moment count. He wants to make every word count. And so he's not talking about horticulture. He's not talking about producing wine. He's using the illustration to talk about how can you flourish and how can human beings flourish. And what he's saying to us is, if you want to flourish in your life, you need to understand what God is doing. 
need to understand his motivation, and you need to understand his method as well. And if we don't understand that in our lives, we become disillusioned, and we devalue ourselves, and we listen to the, the, the words of the world, and we can come to a place where we think that life isn't really worth living, or that we're not particularly valuable. Or we get into a place where we think the only way to survive is in a dog-eat-dog world. But Jesus wants to explain a different way of living. And so he says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. In fact, I'll share with you his words, John chapter 15. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So these words are really, they're packed with meaning and they're extremely important. Jesus knows that in a number of hours, he's going to be arrested. The next day, he's going to stand trial he's going to be crucified. They're going to be scattered. They're going to end up fearful of their lives. So you can imagine in those moments, Jesus foresees the fact that they're going to think, is God really in charge? Are we really connected to the one who, whom God is working through? The people down in the city, hundreds of thousands of Jews have gathered together for the Passover festival, and they're praying that a Messiah will come and free them, will release them from oppression. There's that belief that Israel is the true vine, but Jesus says to those who are in front of him, the 11 men who are with him, I am the true vine, I am the true Israel. And they would have known that again and again throughout the Old Testament, like in Psalm 80, it says, you transplanted a vine from Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it, you cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. Again and again in the Bible, it describes Israel as the true vine. So the disciples would have known, this isn't a horticultural lesson. This is Jesus saying, there's hundreds of thousands of people down in that city, and they're crying out for the Messiah. Well, let me tell you, I am the true vine and this is the new Israel. It was a very profound and powerful thing to say. And so we believe today that felicity is grafted into, is part of this new reality, this new creation, this vine, that Christ is the vine and we're the branches, and His desire for us is to bear fruit in our lives. And so it's really important for us to understand what is the Father's motivation in our lives. Well, as David was saying, one of the motivations is whenever we get ourselves in a mess and dirt, the Father steps in to seek to clean us up. 
one of the ways, as David said, is that does that as he speaks truth to us to show us what is true, what is real, and what is right. And so he speaks to us, and Jesus says to his disciples, you are already clean because the word God has spoken to you. Discipline never feels good. Whenever Felicity is told, don't eat that, it's not edible. Don't put your hands in there. There's electricity in there. Don't touch the fire. You'll burn yourself. Uh, don't go towards that dog that is straining at a lead and is like this towards you. There's all places of danger. And again and again, Flissy's mom and dad will say, don't go there and don't do that. And that will continue, I imagine, throughout our teenage years, again and again, and in life in general, where our mom and dad will say, Felicity, we just want to say, don't go there. Because joy is not to be found in that place. And the, the wonderful privilege that Johnny and Emily have, and and Hannah and the family, and we as the family of God, Sharon as well, is the privilege of helping Felicity to understand that she is loved because she is loved because she is loved by her heavenly Father. And that she and all of us can come to the Father as He speaks words of truth to us and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. And to know that we're just as valuable as always. And even though the discipline is hard to take, we know that the reason for it is actually because God loves us. As Deuteronomy 8 says, as a father disciplines his son, so does the Lord discipline you. That's the reality of the way God works in our lives. And also, whenever we start to bear some fruit in that relationship with God, then, as we were hearing, there's also a stage which is pruning. I'm not a great gardener, but... Uh, if, if branches start to grow in towards the center, a gardener will tend to cut away the branches that are inward growing and allow room for the outward growing branches so that they may get more air and more light and therefore produce fruit because the vine grower doesn't want lots and lots of nice branches and leaves. He wants fruit. And it's really important for us to know in our lives that as... Uh, a former England cricket captain, C.T. Studd, once said, Christ came not to make life easy. He came to make men and women great. And so in our lives, there are inward growing branches. And what that means is that often we will, we will we'll go for the easy option. Or we'll go for what makes life comfortable. And again and again, what happens is God steps in and he prunes away those type of things in our lives. And the branches that are growing outward, the branches that are for the benefit of other people, he lets those stay, he lets those flourish, and he lets fruit be produced in and through that. Again, pruning doesn't feel great. And God in that cuts away things in our lives which aren't in themselves bad. The branch in itself is not a bad thing. But there are branches that get in the way of the plant flourishing and the gardener cuts them off. And you will have discovered in your life, I am sure, that there are good things that you wish had never been removed from your life. But the Lord allows things to be taken away. 
And in this life, we will not always know why, but we know that His purpose is always because He loves us and because He wants fruit to be born in our lives. John and Emily, around you today, there are, I'm sure, lots of people who have loved you and love you and invested in your life. And a significant reason why you're here today is because there are people around you who love you and have invested in your life. And you're doing the same for Felicity. So I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage all of us to seek to build homes in which we can all flourish as those who know that God loves us come what may. I think one of the things in that is we want our houses and homes to be places of joy and praise. So one thing I encourage you to do is stick on the MP3 player, stick on the CD, or sing your hearts out and fill your house with praise. Because there is something wonderful about living in a house and for Felicity to grow up in a household where there is singing and there is praise. It has a profound effect on our lives. It just creates an environment of joy. And this applies just no matter what age we are. The other thing as well is to have uh, Bibles handy. I always think that for a child growing up, you want a Bible beside their bed. You want a Bible, I think, as well on the kitchen table. To have opportunities and to choose Bibles which the language is understandable. And for literally, they'll have lovely pictures and very simple language. It's about training each other and encouraging each other in that place of understanding that God is good. A friend of ours, before Emily was born, uh, and we knew that uh, we were hoping to have a child and expecting a child, and I remember he had three daughters, and I remember asking him, how is it that your three daughters seem to have this wonderful faith in Jesus? And at that time, I think they were all probably under eight years old. And I remember him saying to me, we just talk about Jesus as another member of the family. And what a profound effect that has in our families if we just speak about Jesus in a very natural way within our own homes, within our conversations. Also as well, it's really important that Felicity sees you worshiping the Lord and praying and reading the Bible yourselves. Part of what uh, those declarations today were about leading by example. It's important for us that our, our children and our spouses and other people, they see us praying, they see us worshiping, they see us coming together in church, they see us serving the Lord, they see us taking our place within the family of God. So much of Christian faith is, is caught rather than taught. It's what we see even more so than what we hear. And so it's really important for us in nurturing one another and blessing one another and also our children and our grandchildren. And this applies to all of us, whether you have children or don't have children, because we all have responsibility for felicity. We all have responsibility for one another. We all have responsibility for every child that's here to lead by example to encourage them, 
because we soon discover as our children grow that actually they need to know not only their father loves them in heaven and their parents love them and their wider family love them, they also need to know they are part of a community of faith. It becomes increasingly important as a child grows and develops that they know that they're loved not just by the ones whom they expect will love them, but also the ones who are part of the community of the family of God. And that's why it's really important for us to play our part in encouraging Felicity and for her mom and dad to encourage her to take her place in, as a member of the family of God. But I want each of us also to be encouraged today. I want you to be encouraged today to know the fact that you are treasured and you are loved and you are the apple of your father's eye. You're just as valuable to him as you always were. And the only way for us to live a life of full flourishing is to be connected to Christ. And that's what baptism is about. And the only way for us to thrive is to understand that come what may, in the midst of all the discipline of our lives, in the midst of the pruning of our lives, that God is at work and God loves us. And that we trust and rely on him in the little things and in the big things. And in doing that, we live a life in which we flourish, in which we produce fruit, and ultimately we fulfill the purpose of our lives, which is to give glory to God. Let's stand together. Just as we pray, you may uh, want to in the silence today, it may resonate with you that you may feel as if, well, you're beyond the Father's love and you feel actually a sense of worthlessness, a sense of being, being dirty, being out of favor with the Father, that he, he couldn't possibly love you because of what's happened in the past. I want to encourage you. The Father loves you just as much. Your Creator loves you just as much as He always has. And so, in the silence today as we pray, if that's where you're at, I just want to encourage you to pray quietly and silently and just say, God, take me as I am and know the fact that you are loved and accepted through Jesus Christ. Perhaps today you're going through a time where you just feel as if you're being pruned, that there's things and I'm sure many of us can relate to this during this last year, there are things that have been taken away that you wish had not been taken away. Know the fact that you're still loved and God is still working His purpose out. Today you may also want to just say, Lord, produce fruit through me and bless other people through my life. May I bring a smile to your face. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may remain in you and live a life to your glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're a God who loves us. You love us as a heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me for all the mistakes that I've made, for the messes I've got myself into, for the dirt in which I immerse myself. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive me and you love me and you've never stopped loving me. And Lord, I thank you even though discipline is hard. I thank you, Lord, for the truth you've spoken to me. And I thank you, Lord, even for the pruning, for things being removed that are painful. And yet I still trust, Lord, that you're working your purpose out. 
I still thank you for your love and thank you for your care. And Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may remain close to you and become stronger and stronger. And we pray, Lord, for Felicity, Lord, you bless her in preparing for confirmation in years ahead when she will declare her own faith with her own lips and she will live out increasingly her own mature faith that she will live a life to your praise and glory. May that be true of all of us. May all of us live out the truth of our baptism. May all of us live out our connectedness to Jesus Christ. Lord, be glorified in our lives. And thank you for loving us, come what may. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.
Lord, praise to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us always. Amen. Please have a seat. Say thank you so much for joining us today, both here in person uh, for the celebration of baptism, and thank you for joining us from home as well. Uh, as always, uh, we remember uh, face and space and hands. Uh, there's gel there. We have our mask going out, and our uh, stewards will guide us in going out. They'll guide us from the back, first of all, and gradually work forward so we can all uh, move safely out through the welcome area and out into the car park. Uh, thank you so much for being here today, and God bless you.